We 3D scan everything now. And then from 3D scan, we design everything in AutoCAD. And this is where things get very exciting. Now we go from AutoCAD to 3D printing. We have 10 or 700 grab handle, plastic grab handles. Mm -hmm. And they were so strong that we actually lifted the bike with it. The bike was hanging in the air. And this is, yeah. again, straight out of the printer. That's why we don't like to say we're the best. That would be absolutely stupid. Uh, I don't think they yeah. would take us anywhere. And I think actually it turns people off when you come off arrogant and also degrading to other brands. Just this conversation right here is one of the reasons why people who follow and are very loyal to the Outback brand, I think is just your honesty. I don't know. I feel like people just see that in your presentation, the crash test. It's again, you show what it does. You don't just talk about it. You show it. So, you know, it's a small industry. And we would like to get along with everybody because, yeah, we are brands. Yeah, we make money and all that. We're in business. But at the end of the day, we're all connected by the same passion, which is motorcycles. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for clicking on this video and welcome to the Backcountry ADV Moto Podcast. Today, I've got a guest. You probably know if you've seen the thumbnail, which I'm assuming you did since you clicked on this video. I've got Lori Gombos with us. Uh, he is the owner of Outback Motor Tech. And if you have not been living in a hole, you know who Outback Motor Tech is. It's one of the top, if not the absolute best protection company for ADV dirt bike dual sport motorcycles there is. Uh, Lori has an awesome story. Uh, he's become a good friend of mine and we have him on the show today just to kind of sit here, have a chat and kind of get some uh, backstory on uh, on the brand and kind of what's coming in the future, what he's doing now and super excited about it. So welcome, Lori. How are you, buddy? Good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. It's super exciting. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> for, for the guys who don't know, Lori's like super laid back. So he's really excited right now, but you just can't tell. So <laughs> I am. I am very he excited. Is, yeah. I think it's pretty cool. Uh it's my my second time doing a podcast and so you know it's <laughs> yeah it's always it's always you know, it's interesting to get the spotlight <laughs> yeah. i prefer the spotlight when i have helmet on <laughs> right you're right so no one can actually like see your face very much exactly. and everything. yeah, yeah. Let's, go, let's go do that kind of stuff so yeah um so you're you're actually traveling down in the u.s right now lori lives That's in right. canada alberta don't get me no, wrong, british wrong, columbia yeah. british columbia yeah so he lives yeah. up in British Columbia and the weather is not ideal for riding right now up in BC. So him and the family are taking a trip. So where are you at now? We're currently in Southern California and we're about a week away from crossing over to Baja. Ah, uh, man. It's, it's really hard. Again, first world problems, I like to say. It's really yeah. hard to run a motorcycle business and be in Canada 24-7, you know, 12 months a year. So oftentimes we skip parts of uh, the winter and, and, and go south to do yeah. testing and, and, and shooting new content or just to get some vitamin D. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and much needed. I mean, we kind of here yeah. in North Idaho, something similar. We've, we've had a ton of rain and, and we've had, we had cold and snow, but it's all melted now. And it's just been in the, the low 40s and it's just been raining day mm -hmm. after day after day. So, which is great for fire season in the summer, but... Um, as soon as the snow goes away, my brain automatically is like, okay, riding season's right around the corner, but it's, it's like the very beginning of February. So I know we still have a few more months. Yes. It's, it's hard. Yeah. Um, I have a couple, have a couple of trips planned. We're going to Costa Rica at the end of this month. So I have some moto stuff planned down there. It's a family trip, so we won't have a ton of moto down there, but you know, maybe just to scout it out and maybe plan a trip on the way and go back at some point. But 
Anyway, that's enough about me, man. Squeeze it in, squeeze it in. Yeah. And, and also I'm going to try to squeeze maybe, it at least one maybe, day in. Just, you know, just rub it in <laughs> gently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I can Dude. get one day in, at least to say I, I, I rode down there, then that'll be good enough for me for now. And that's then right, I, yeah. I, would, I would love to be able to get in and, and maybe do a full like week or 10 days down there. The, some of the tour companies that I've looked into are pretty amazing. So uh, Elephant Moto being one of those, uh, mm-hmm. if you haven't heard of those guys there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can rent pretty much anything from them as far as adventure bike goes. So and it's a pretty small country. You can cover a lot of oh yeah uh, tracks in one day. Yeah, and then it seems like uh, like every most of the roads aren't really improved surfaces, so it's like perfect ADV and dual sport mm-hmm. just ex- exploration. So you can uh, go that, from ocean to ocean, right? In in one yeah, day, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much <laughs> in one day. Yeah, yeah. And see volcanoes and it, it's That's crazy because right. the country is pretty small, but. Um, you know, you go from one end to the other and it, it's pretty different from dense, dense jungle to, you know, gorgeous beach, sandy beaches. So I say I, that like I've, I've never been, been, I've never been, I can't speak for that, but you know, I rode in the Philippines and it's pretty epic that you just ride and all of a sudden from blue sky, it turns into like the monsoon rain cloud. And it's, it's so hot that you're actually almost taking a shower. You're enjoying it. And then, you know an hour later it's blue sky again it's amazing that's crazy (laughs) and a lot of mud (laughs) a lot of mud (laughs) i I can imagine we actually on purpose booked this time of year because it's kind of the end of their dry season yeah dry Uh, yeah yeah so i mean normally if you go there in the wet season you have to like rent a four-wheel drive vehicle and all that stuff and having having the whole crew with us i wanted to keep it as as easy going as possible so um it's my wife's 40th birthday. That's where she wanted to go. So that's what we're doing. But anyway, man, let's, uh, yeah, let's jump into this. So can you just kind of give me, give me the backstory about Outback Motor Tech and really what inspired you to start a motorcycle protection company? Like what, mm-hmm. what fed that, that passion? I will try to sum it up in a nutshell, but it's, it's not easy. So We've got time, man. Yeah, I mean, long story short, I was born and raised in Hungary, so I'm actually uh, Hungarian by by birth, and and that's my native language too. But um, I've always been into motorcycles. I've always been into traveling. Uh, I love maps. Uh, Geography was my favorite subject in school, and it just happens to be that my my father is very similar, but my dad is a machinist by trade. And he started a company back in 1983 in communist Hungary when they were just coming out of this communist uh, hellhole. And the government allowed private citizens to, be, to become entrepreneurs. And so fast forward, I got into motorcycles too. Uh, my early, uh, early, when I was a teenager, uh, 13, 14-ish, and and. So my dad put his passion aside for, for, for our passion for my brother and I. So, you know, he was managing a company, trying to build a company, but the economy was pretty tough. So I said, okay, you can have the bike. I will have a bike when things get better. So he would always uh, tinker with the bikes, not mechanically, but to, to add something that we could not afford, but we could see it in catalogs, right? So oh, I want yeah. this. It's like, yeah, I can make it out of I metal. Can make that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So again, fast forward, uh, my, my first motorcycle trip, that was like an overland trip. And this is back when 
the ADV thing was not a thing. This was, mm-hmm. you know, adventure bikes were literally nobody paid attention to adventure bikes. This was in Europe, like, you know, Honda Transalp 650 20 years yeah. ago. Nobody, nobody cared. Uh, they were ugly, cumbersome, you know, bass suspension, you name it. But I liked it because it, it took me to places and I, I just sold my sports bikes out into sports bikes. But so we're looking at, you know, catalogs, you know, tour tech and whatnot. And like, oh, my God, 300 euros for this. My dad was like, I can make that for 10, 10 euros. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so he, he would always prep the bikes for, for me. So I, I could go on some trips, throw on some luggage and all that jazz. So, again, um, forward another few years, uh, my wife and I were teaching English in Taiwan for, for three years. But it was a big dream of mine. Like most people, I assume, uh, I was also inspired by Long Way Round, Charlie yeah, and seems, That seems to right. be kind of the the thing that most people that yeah. have had on so far. That's what inspired them. Yeah, well, it's it's one of them, right? And, and that was the biggest because they they offered the biggest biggest exposure. You know, very well documented. Um, yeah. I don't know, like I, BBC aired them like I don't know, like thirty episodes or something like that. It was it was amazing. And, yeah. and this was also the early days of YouTube when you could you could find some content. And so we lived in Taiwan for three years. And, and uh, before moving back to Canada, I really wanted to go back to Hungary to see my friends and my family. And I'm like, I'm so close to Siberia or, 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 or you know, Mongolia. I want to go. I want to see what it's like there. I like remote places. And so. I, I was looking at the map. I always have maps on walls. Like, it doesn't matter where I live. And I told my wife, hey, do you want to ride to Europe maybe instead of flying? And she's like, how long is that going to take? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> two, three weeks. And, and so, yeah, it wasn't two or three weeks. It was two months. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but she, 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 she was on board which was amazing, right? Because yeah, for sure. You know, it's just, it's, it's so awesome to do something with your, your, your partner, your wife, girlfriend, whatever. And so she was on board immediately. And then I started uh, I, uh, uh, to get the ball rolling, looking at horizons limited, you know, looking for data, how to, how to cross borders, what kind of documenting should get, you know, uh, carnet de passage and all those details. And it's, it's pretty complex. You do, you have to do a lot of research to, to not get into a lot of troubles. There's, there's always some sort of trouble because, you know, there's yeah. a lot of bureaucracy and, 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 and corruption and whatnot. So we couldn't get a bike in Taiwan because they were so expensive. Foreign-made motorcycles in Taiwan are very expensive due to the import duties. Like uh, a, a simple Suzuki V-Strom back then would have cost 15,000 euros or, wow. or dollars. It doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Almost the same. But in Europe, I... I could get one for eight grand. Right. And I'm like, brand, so like brand new. Yeah. Pretty much. And I'm like, yeah. okay, so that's, that's, that's what we'll do. Now we had to find a place to ship the motorcycle to Mongolia was the first option, but the air, yeah, the, the broker that we found, they said, yeah, we can do it, but the motorcycle will have to go in two crates. So that means you will have to disassemble the bike because the small aircrafts and they can only have so much space. I'm like, okay, that's crazy. And it still would have cost a fortune. And then we looked at Vladivostok, which is East end of Russia. You cannot send a vehicle into Russia without you being 
right next to the vehicle with it, physically. Yeah. And then we looked at uh, South Korea. So you can send a motorcycle to South Korea and take a ferry over to Vladivostok. Mm. And you could just see the numbers piling up the, you know, another cost, another cost. They look, this is going to turn into a, you know, a, a fortune sort right. of uh, journey. So, and then one broker suggested that, hey, maybe you want to consider Central Asia, which is specifically Kyrgyzstan, because that was the cheapest by far and the most efficient. And I'm like, oh, shoot. Okay, so I won't be able to go to Mongolia. But that also meant that we could spend more time in the Pamir uh, mountain range, which is the famous Pamir Highway. That's the highway that the Soviets built when they were battling with the uh, with the Afghans. And so yeah. that, highway, that highway is non-existent now. It's pretty much gravel. Uh, gravel is the better part. <laughs> because where, where there's no gravel, there... There is like millions of potholes, which is a lot worse was, than gravel. Was this, uh, is that what they called the road to b- bones or whatever it was? Or yeah, no, no, that's that's east, northeast oh, Russia. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, okay. so this trip was all looking pretty good. And, and again, I, I, I found a Vstrom 650 with only like 2,000 kilometers, 1,500 miles on it only. And my dad's company outfitted it. Aluminum boxes, top case, crash bars, bash blade, headlight guards, uh, center stand, maybe some other knickknacks. So and, at the time, at the yeah. time, is that really the only motorcycle parts <laughs> that Outback Motortech offered? Was it even called Outback Motortech then? No, 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 no. Right. We had no intentions of going into business with motorcycle parts. No, this was just going to be a journey for to to fulfill my needs mostly. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not when my you, wife's. <laughs> when you when you started Outback Motor Tech, that is some of yeah. the first parts you or, you offered though, right? Was V-Strom parts. Correct. Because the bike was outfitted with our yeah. parts and it was a V-Strom. And so when we when we finished the trip, I put up the bike for sale. But it was very strange because people would be calling to inquire about the aluminum boxes or the, the bash plate. And I'm like, the bike is for sale, not the parts. So that was already, you know, a bit of an indication that something was interesting in that what we produced or what we made. And so we sold the bike. And then a few months later, when we're living back in in Canada, I I couldn't really find a job that I really liked or what I what I really wanted to, you know, take on. And so I called my dad. I'm like, you know, I'm not really finding anything good. And so I'm like, what if you, you know, what if I design some parts and, and, you know, your company would just make it and I would make an online store and, and sell it. But yeah, my, my dad being, you know, like a tough love guy is like, yeah, sure. You know, whatever you want. My dad doesn't, he would not put effort into it. Like, yeah, I will make it. But, you know, well, he would complain like, eh, I don't have time for this. And then next day he's like, here, there you go. It's done. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's one of, That's one of those guys. I'm sure a lot of people can relate. <laughs> yeah. Like they act like they don't want to, but then they want to like deep oh, down yeah. just to like say, yeah. they, you know, to support yeah, you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so we started making some, some prototypes uh, for V-Strums only. And, and there was a horrible online store that I assembled and, and I learned some, you know, uh, tricks from, from YouTube and how to work the back end and whatnot. 
And of course, there was a disaster. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, it couldn't have been too bad because I, you and I had. So you and I rode uh, the Idaho BDR uh, just for people who are listening uh, mm -hmm. this this summer. And I told you that I found your company back in how this must have been 2012, 13, 14, somewhere in there. And, yeah. and I had a v Suzuki V-Strom. That was like mm. the first adventure bike that I owned in 650. And I had done tons and tons of mods to it. And I kept breaking the, yeah. the, the skid plate that I had. I won't name the name of it, but I, I kept having to weld up this riveted skid plate. And I'm like, finally, I found your company. But unfortunately, I think for guys being so small, it was like, I could never get it in stock. So I was like, oh, you know, I moved on to something else. And then later on down the road, here we are full circle. And it's like, mm -hmm. you've grown so much in that such, that short amount of time. And it's just yeah. like cool to see the growth that Outback Motor Tech has had. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I didn't know you had a V-Strom, but I, our V-Strom products never really made a big impact. We, that was good. It was a good start. And, and well, I, th I think what really started putting attention on our products is when, when I first did the, the drop test, it was the first drop test on a V-Strom and I went to just, you know, some cornfield and it was like this dual track, semi-frozen road. This was in Ontario when we lived in Ontario. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I put the, I put my, my phone with the camera recording on, on the ground, we like supported it with a rock. Didn't even have, you know, a tripod or anything. <laughs> and, uh, I would start riding towards the camera first gear, second gear, and then have enough speed. And then from first, from second gear, pop down to neutral, turn off the engine and just literally just hop off the it. bike and a bam. Yeah. And yeah, of course the turn signal broke off and then I did it again. And then uh, the crash bars, um, it, it touched the plastic panel. It didn't crack it. But it was a good, a good. It was just a good indication for for me. Okay, what what am I selling here? Is it gonna be holding up? Um, am am I gonna get complaints because they're not working? I just wanted to see myself what yeah. they can do before before the products reach, you know, the end users. Absolutely, I, like your own your not, own R and D. Yeah, and and it was it was it's. I think it's very barbaric to some people yeah <laughs> well i think i think a lot of people have the especially if you come from another style of motorcycle yeah. say a cruiser or a street bike or anything like that that you know your bike is never supposed to touch the ground in an adventure bike world it's yeah. like it's if it doesn't touch the ground then you're probably not having enough fun that day you know so <laughs> i mean it's it's yeah. got your bike's gonna hit the ground at least once a trip that's just how it goes so yeah yeah so <laughs> that's how it, it carried on and then there wasn't momentum initially. It was actually very bad, um, very little sales. Like the first sale I couldn't even conclude online. The guy was like, I don't trust your store. I kind of like the price of the products. Would you meet me on the highway? This was in close to Toronto. And I'm like, so I drove, <laughs> I drove, it was like, oh my God, it's 2 PM. It's going to be rush hour. Toronto is like a major city. Right. And, I'm like, okay, I don't care. I'm going to go. And of course, it's 4 p.m., big traffic jam. Toronto is moving. People are going home from work. I still met the guy at a gas station. We we exchanged products for, for cash. <laughs> that was your first sale, huh? That's awesome. That was, the first, that was the first ever sale. And then nothing again for probably like a month or two. Wow. Uh, 
it was very, very slow and painful, but I think that's the way it's supposed to be perhaps Absolutely. because yeah. if it was easy, everybody would do it. For sure. And what, what year was this when, what was your, what year was 20, your first deal? 2014. 14. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> that's awesome and, and here we are like 10 years later and you've come so far man it's crazy uh what what yeah. sets in, in your mind what sets outback motor tech apart from other other manufacturers in the industry i i don't i don't know i don't think i can answer this because i i, I don't know honestly i probably partially presentation because we do these drop test videos people really like him it's like probably one of the best marketing for us yeah um it doesn't mean that other crash board brands are not reliable or they don't perform it's just we do show something we don't talk about it you know you can talk about specs all day right? i just don't think people are really interested in that people want to see something action you know but yeah i don't i, I can't really answer your your question because it's not like we look at the other guys every time and analyze we powder coat that a guy's powder coat too you know we use yeah. inch diameter tubing other guys do too maybe sometimes we go for let's say different mounting points or additional mounting brackets let's say with the 1090 we came out with this I don't want to call it invention. It's just a bracket, a bracket that nobody had ever uh, designed. And then, and then we came up with the idea to support the upper crash bars. This is for the, the 1090, 1190. So instead of just having an upper crash bars like a floating design, we added a big heavy duty cross brace that also supports the lower crash bars and, and, and adds more uh, strength to the upper crash bar. So it's like it ties them together and it supports them. Uh, it's, it's like a big, it's a big flat bar brace that goes in, in two, four directions, you know, up and down and sideways too. Yeah. And maybe, maybe things like that help. Mm -hmm. And, and, and sometimes we just work with the mounting points on, on motorcycles that the other guys work too, because sometimes the bikes dictate and, and, yeah, uh, we tend to use sometimes thicker flat bars, uh, different design. It's not always the best thing to make something. Some sorry, it's not always the best thing to make something overly strong because it can uh, transfer more impact. So right. we, we that's that's partially why we test our products because we want to see. We know the crash bars bend. It's actually not a bad thing when they when they bend. That's how they absorb impact. Absorb the energy, yeah. Exactly. So sometimes we have to find find we have to find this balance, not too much bending and not too little bending, right? So finding the the sweet spot is really hard. So that's what our testing is 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 very helpful for. Gotcha. And I, I think honestly, just just this conversation right here is one of the reasons why people who follow and are very um, loyal to the Outback brand, I think is just your honesty. you don't, you don't go and, you know, out on, you know, social media and, and stuff like that and say like, we are the best because this and other people are doing this and we do it better. You know, it's, I think people know that the proof is kind of in the pudding, if you will, like that you've, you mm -hmm. have a track record of, of having strong um, and it, it, the brand just seems to be humble, right? It's not, you know, look at us, look at us. It's they're not flashy. You don't go for necessarily 
looking what looks the best on the bike. It's what's functional and what's going to protect the bike. Cause at the end of the day, you're buying crash protection to protect the motorcycle. It's a bonus if you can make it look, yeah. look good with the lines and all that kind of stuff. But, um, sometimes when you make it look good with the lines, you are going to lose integrity with the protection. So again, like you said, there's a balance there and I don't know, I feel like people just see that in your, your presentation, the crash test. It's again, you show, you show what it does. You don't just talk about it. You show it. So in my opinion, that's, that's, that's why I like your product. And I think that's mm -hmm. just talking to people in the industry who, you know, for the last few years, and I've been kind of promoting you guys, uh, just because it's, we, we met because I had other crash bars in the industry, two other companies. And I, I mean, they were, they were bending just from simply falling over. And I, I mm -hmm. rode my Africa twin pretty hard and I was kind of tired of every time I would need to take side panels off having to use pry bars and stuff to put the mm -hmm. put the grass bars back on and you kind of reached out to me and was like hey try these out and I'm sure and i had i mean i had that bike for like four more years and had no issues whatsoever and i beat the dog crap out of it so i remember it, <laughs> i remember <laughs> I, I, I was I, I was sold on that for sure so um yeah so, um we definitely don't I, I definitely don't i personally don't like to um hype up our brand and and also the products uh and and at the same time it would also look very very bad on us if we talk badly about other brands it it would not take us any further maybe in the short run but long run no way no plus you know it's a small industry exactly and and we would like to get along with everybody because yeah we are brands yeah we make money and all that we're in business but at the end of the day we're all connected for by the same passion which is motorcycles you know so yeah it's it's nice to get along <laughs> exactly i mean even even just you know for me doing youtube since 2016 I, yeah. i've i've had brands that i've really liked and i've had brands that i i don't like so much but i'll never never say anything bad about anybody you know, to the, to the public, you know, maybe behind closed doors, uh, might be my friends, I'll say like, Hey, this didn't work out because of this or whatever, yeah. but I'm never going to dog anybody publicly on anything because it's just not, it's just not how you do things, you know? So I would not help uh, you at all. No, I don't think that would be smart and wise because we've had cases where people thought that we were selling the ultimate crash bars and, and, you know, they were under the impression that they would never bend and never, have yeah. any harm to the bike but it happens sometimes that he, you know even from a standstill crash it can happen that they bend more than we advertise we like to specify to people that hey yes we we do drop uh, we do those uh, drop test videos that's that's cool but we only present a few common scenarios but you know, and thousands of people know that there are dozens, if not hundreds of different crash scenarios. Yeah. And sometimes speed doesn't influence how much uh, a set of crash bars would bend, right? So yeah, I, I don't, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's really hard to say. That's why we don't like to say we're the best. That would be absolutely stupid. Uh, I don't think they yeah. would take us anywhere. And I think actually it turns people off when you when you come off arrogant and also degrading to other brands that would not help yeah. our case. No way. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So moving forward, how do you, how do you approach 
how do you approach the design and development of motorcycle protection parts? I mean, a new bike comes out. I know you guys have had a lot of cool technology come up and you partner with some brands there or partner with a company there in Canada. So what is your approach to designing from what you can tell me? I don't want to like give any secrets away, but what can you tell me as far as, far as your approach to, there's no no secret here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Actually it's funny because for years our R and D was, pretty like pretty much like stone age you can call it yeah. like very very simple it's for years i was just developing parts with my dad like i said he's the machinist uh, he also rides motorcycles i'm the traveler on motorcycles but he has a machinist degree i i don't have anything in you know i i have an international relations you know <laughs> degree which is it has nothing to do with motorcycles or designing parts. So I don't have any engineering degree. I just design parts that I think would work. Uh, so for years, we would get a motorcycle, look at it, look for the mounting points, uh, try to imagine some uh, some brackets and where we would put them and then design on the uh, work on the shape and start. So we'd you know, have uh, some flat bars, bend them, drill a hole, bolt them on, and then we would just put tubes on, you know, different tubes, like we would cut them down and then bend it, and hopefully we can, you know, find the right shape. Uh, you would just you would just line them up, right? Just try to hope that it, hope that it all lines up correctly. Well, yeah, like, I mean, we would still do some calculations, like angles and whatnot, but it didn't always work out so perfectly. So this was for about five, six years. We still managed. It was very simple. Not, I can't say it was effective because it took us a lot longer than what we are working with now. But we were just not ready financially to commit to it because the company was just growing. So, yeah. okay, let's stay with the good old technique, you know, do it manually. <clears throat> and, and so that was the start. Now, when we get a new motorcycle, we 3D scan the motorcycle. It's it's full scan with de- with focus on on certain details, especially where we need to put brackets and tabs, and and of course the the, the tubing itself. So we three D scan everything now, and then from three D scan, we design everything in AutoCAD, and and this is where the where, the, where things get very exciting. Now we go from AutoCAD to 3d printing yeah that's cool but we have an industrial grade 3d printer it's not the filament type it's it's a sls type which means it's it's a selective laser sintering 3d printer that uses powder and it fuses powder using a laser inside a chamber that heats up to 180 degrees celsius which is i'm guessing about close to 600 fahrenheit i could be wrong but um, a metric, I'm sorry. And so, so that's what it does. So we have, we have these products that are printed with insane precision, like the thickness of a hair is, is absolutely crazy. And so we fit those parts on, on motorcycles. And once the parts are fitted, then, then we can, uh, uh, build the welding jig around those parts. And so, so that's the that's the new uh, R and D um, 
I guess, uh, system we have in place. Yeah, it speeds everything and up like crazy, it, right? Yeah, I was just going to say that now we are about three, four times faster. Sometimes, no, actually, now the first prototype, the first version is the production version. As opposed to wow. before, we could go through three, four, sometimes five uh, until we we see that everything was nice and symmetrical, everything looked good. Uh, back then, it was a lot more guessing game. And, and now there isn't much of a guessing game. Everything is very, very precise and fast. That's amazing. And yeah, yeah, I mean, in a business like yours, time is money, a new bike comes out. I mean, you don't necessarily want to be the first one. It doesn't really necessarily, it's not a race, no. right? But but no, at the same time, race, no. at the same time, people get excited about new motorcycles like um, the new Alp, what is it? Uh, Transalp. That's a, a bike that came out and you guys were able to crush those and get them out really fairly fast. It feels yeah. like. And, yep. and um, I think that new system you guys have just kind of watching your story that you've posted on social media and things like that with the, the 3d scanner and all that, it, it blows. I don't have a mic. I mean, I like to build things, you know, but mm. that, that type of that's beyond any type of like, that's outside my, my realm mm -hmm. of, of expertise. So yeah. it's really cool to watch it go from literally just scanning with, with that white spray to not even, I don't know, what's, what's the turnaround time between the time that you've 3d scanned it to a time that you have it printed. It could be within the week, depending on the that's complexity nuts. of the product. Yeah, that's nuts. it could be because 3d scanning itself, it takes a few hours and then there's uh, data processing. It can take half a day or a day, depending on the size of the data. And then the AutoCAD design, Again, depends on the com complexity. Sometimes we can we can finalize a product in three four days, and yeah. then the printing itself takes less than twenty four hours. Right. By the time you have an actual, this is the most optimal case we're talking about here. This is the best case right. scenario. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, it it definitely is very fast now. Now the the only downside is it's expensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I guess if you weigh it though, I mean, from a business standpoint, correct me if I'm wrong, if you mm -hmm. had to do three, four five iterations of a product that doesn't work, the time and materials that you spent trying mm -hmm. to develop those, I mean, it would seem like it would yeah. be pretty close as far as, as far as, you know, money in, right? So if you can spend the same, but, but save the amount of time to mm -hmm. get a product out, it seems like it's a, that's it's, a win-win all the way. It's worth it first. We can justify the cost. It's, it's, it's good. Yeah. People, yeah. we have a lot of, fortunately now, we have a lot of returning customers who switch bikes, uh, you know, yeah. every six months or a year. And they want to <laughs> yeah. come back to us and like, hey, I want your product. So, you know, chop, chop, right? Right. And it's good. So we, we try to meet those, you know, deadlines that customers often set. Yeah. So in the, in the current, this isn't really a question I had prepared, but in, in the current, um, state that I guess the world is in right now, have you ran into any production issues with, uh, materials or anything like that, that you get? Cause where, where is your main production facility at right now? It's, it's in Hungary. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah, so that's you haven't the, had any... the, the, no, well, no, uh, maybe in 2021, it was a bit slow, but Otherwise, um, no, it's, it's, we're doing pretty good. We're good. And, and the factory is still run by my family, you know, yeah. my, my dad, now mostly my brother. And, and now the factory employs close to 40 people. Cool. And that's, that's only Outback Motor Tech. 
there's nothing else. It's just the, the factories for Outback Motortech and, and that's yeah. it. Yeah, because you have a, another factory for the other business. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have across yeah. the street or across town or something? Oh, it's in the same town, like a kilometer, yeah. like yeah, half yeah. a mile over or something like that. So, but that's, that was not enough for Outback. Outback was growing so fast that um, uh, there had to be, uh, you know, we had to make arrangements to set up a, another factory. So good, good problems to have. Yeah. And so, so then going back to the, the 3D printing materials, mm -hmm. how strong it's, it's pretty strong, right? Cause you're, you've been making some other parts out of just the 3D printer that you can add on to like, say dual sport and dirt bikes, right? Absolutely. Yeah. They are ready to use like almost like literally like plug and play. Um, currently I have parts on a KTM 500 EXC and, and they are straight out of the printer and I've been using them. Uh, they, they, they reinforce the tail end of, of this 500 EXC, which the fender is pretty flexy out of the factory. So right. if you add luggage onto it, uh, it can turn into a disaster real soon because they can snap, uh, especially if right. you put a lot of weight on it, but been using those and, and a bunch of other products, uh, uh msr slash primus fuel bottle holder we've been all we've been testing and they're very sturdy uh, we even have um, the rear racks uh, we have tenere 700 grab handle plastic grab handles mm -hmm. and they were so strong that we actually lifted the bike with it the bike was hanging in the air and this is yeah. again straight out of this printer i don't know i can't speak for other types of printers but this specific uh, printer we have it's it produces very durable products it's plastic though so it it can only you can only push it so far right it's it's not going to have the same strength as metal or carbon fiber or anything like that but as no, far as no. like but the tie down good. yeah i think you made some tie down points too for the moscow bags mm -hmm. is, that, is that right yeah so you guys That's have a pretty right, good yeah. you have a pretty close relationship with moscow moto right because um Sorry. go ahead and tell us about that a little bit because you make some sp parts specifically for their gear as well as well right <clears throat> or you team up with um, parts? Yeah, we don't make anything specific at the moment, but they have been selling our Pennier racks since 2019. 2019, I believe, or 2020, 2019-ish. And and so, yeah, we have a good relationship. We were just hanging with the with the co-founder, Pete, for, for a few days yeah. in the desert. We're looking at the 500 EXC part that we have, and we, we're... we're we're most likely going to collaborate on, on, on this part to, cool. to integrate it into their system. Wow. And it's very exciting. <laughs> it's, it's very exciting yeah. to work with a company like Moscow Moto because they are, you know, the, well, I think in, both the, of you guys are standard. all about, <laughs> yeah, both of you guys are all about like innovation and making, making products better. Even when you have a product that's been very successful, it's, you're always like, how can I make this? Like there's got to be something that's not perfect about it and you always want to make it better. And what I really like about you and Moscow Moto is that you listen to your customers. Like the customers have feedback and you don't take it as, you know, a complaint as, as more as like, okay, how do we make this part better? And I, I love the fact that both you and, and Moscow Moto have, have done that with your, with your parts. So well, um, we have to, we have to listen sometimes yeah. if, if the complaint is only from 0.1% <laughs> yeah. that, you know, that means that, you know, they just like something else, but not what we make but if it's if it's a larger volume percentage complaint then it's it could be legit so we we just have to make changes and, and improvements and and i don't see why 
any company would not do that. Yeah. I, I mean, there's, believe it or not. I mean, I, I know I've dealt with it. There's companies out there that, that want, they want feedback. And then when you give them feedback, they get defensive about it. And it's like, okay, well don't ask for feedback. <laughs> and so, um, yeah. I know like, as you, as we've talked about, you, you take the, the influence of, you know, people in the business who, who use your, your, your product day in and day out. And like I said, you've, you've made changes to certain things. I mean, I know even with the Africa twin, I think you made a couple of changes with the crash bars through, through the iterations over time. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just, you just have to, if you want to yeah. stay in the game or if you want to, you know, be ahead of the curve. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. also important. And well, we we're always open to feedback and that's why we have, Google reviews, Facebook reviews, and, and a lot of social media presence. So people can let us know what we can do better, but why yeah, not? If you guys are, are listening to this and you don't follow uh, Outback Motor Tech, it's uh, right there at the bottom of the screen. It's Outback underscore Motor Tech. And uh, yeah, definitely, definitely follow those guys because they, you, like I said, you, you show all of your, your drop tests on social media. Um, like you, you mentioned having the the, the grab handles that was a, a pretty cool video just to watch you guys hoist that bike up from the rafters <laughs> i mean it's 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 cool i mean and, and you're always again you're always producing just new stuff constantly so if you want to keep on top yeah. of what you guys are always putting out definitely follow them on on social media it's it's pretty funny kyle because when i was a kid i i was known to i was known to be the kid that destroyed everything i just liked i just liked breaking stuff like it was so bad like i, I would get in trouble so much because I, I just broke things. And then I've been doing these drop tests, not just alone now. And my dad is like, finally, your bad behavior turned into. <laughs> it's paying thing. off. It's like, it's like <laughs> thanks, thanks, dad, for being patient with me. <laughs> that's funny. That's, that's great. <laughs> well, are there, are there any, uh, any, any products that you're excited about coming out here in the, in the near future that you can kind of put out there for people to get excited about as well, or anything that coming down the pike? Yeah. Um, one of it is the, the, the KTM 500 also is going to be 501, uh, the Spreader brace. Um, because we see, we see that there are more and more people who want to travel on light light dual sport bikes and they want to yeah. be able to put luggage on it currently if you just take take a bike out of this showroom like a 500 exc it's really hard you can you can put reckless luggage on it but it's not going to be uh functional so that's that's You're one limited, thing yeah. that yeah so that's one thing that people are very excited about right now we only started posting it about two weeks ago and the thing blew up like there's so many comments and so many ones and another thing that we'll be working on uh, this is not a secret. We we are looking at actually changing the subframe of these KTM 500 Husky 501 machines, like completely swapping out the subframe, reinforce it, and have proper mounting points, designated mounting points for auxiliary fuel tanks to luggage to essentially anything you want because those subframes are not designed for for overland traveling you know, if you want to load up and go far uh, you won't be able to so and most likely we're going to team up with rebel x which is um, oh. a fairly well-known company from from italy the yeah. owner finished the dakar race uh, i think twice 
and 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 they they also proposed this idea. So we started working on this, and it's going to be a big project though, because the, for example, the auxiliary fuel tank that Rebelex is proposing that would have to be custom made to fit the bike yeah. pro- to fit the bike properly. But the beauty is you would have a bike that's very very nicely balanced. And also yeah. with a, a stronger subframe, we understand that this is going to be very specific for the crowd who who seeks the, the overland traveling because adding a heavier, stronger subframe, you know, people who race, they will not benefit from it. They will just stick right. with the, the aluminum subframe. But we're seeing some change here that people are riding now with 500s and 501s with luggage because it's light and light is right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Especially if you're going to do, you know, places like Baja and things like that, where the terrain isn't just regular, you know, you're not touring at that point. You're, exactly. You're yeah. True off road. So you, you can do it on a GS, but it's going to be a lot more work. Whereas I, I yeah. think a, it, it is funny how the, how it shifted. It used to be the bigger, the more comfortable, the better. Mm. And, you know, and now it seems to have almost completely flip-flopped and manufacturers are starting to see that and going lighter and, I mean, the 500, the KTM 500 or the 501 is definitely on my radar, uh, not as my primary bike, but mm-hmm. just to see what people have been doing. I, it's something that I would like to maybe get into. Yeah. Also, depending on where you live, like we live in British Columbia and we have a lot of remote areas. Riding solo with a big bike can be risky and dangerous and all that. So having yeah. a bike that's capable uh, and you can pick it up like 15 times a day if you have to, that, that makes sense we're definitely not steering away from big bikes. It's still our, our, our bread and butter. And then we love big bikes. Like we're getting the 1300 GS. Now we already have the scan data 900 cool. GS. That's that's, we just got a call from the dealers. Like, Hey, uh, uh, March, you can come and pick up the bikes. Like, yay. Awesome. Great. <clears throat> so that's exciting. Um, yes. Yeah. Very exciting. And aluminum panniers. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a bit, it's that. a bit, it's a bit controversial, I guess, because we're not known for it, and and the market is seen. Market seems to be leaning towards soft luggage these days. It just, but I think, I, in my opinion, it just depends on what you're going to do with the motorcycle, right? If you're so, going to do a, a lot more touring, then panniers yeah. make a lot of sense. But what I think, I think, what's going to be different with our aluminum panniers is is that Moscow Moto offered us their their mounting system that they right. used for the backcountry panniers. Mm-hmm. Ours would bolt on the aluminum panniers and then you would be able to switch between soft luggage and, and, and hard cases in a matter of Just seconds. seconds. Yeah. But there are some features that may not work for aluminum panniers. Like on the Moscow Moto mounting system, you have this speed pin. Oh, and yeah. The, and if you want to lock it, you have to put a padlock, but padlock doesn't look too good on aluminum boxes, right? Especially so, after it bounces around for like <laughs> exactly. So we're integrating a lock that gotcha. will still lock the speed pin. It's just going to be a nicer solution. And also, most aluminum panniers are wide and 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 not deep, so you can't just put on the Moscow Moto mounting system because theirs is pretty tall. Yeah. So our aluminum panniers are going to be narrower, but deeper. And... Which I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, especially when you already have, like, for instance, just thinking about my bike, right? Uh, mm-hmm. The GSA, if you, when you put pan- hard panniers on there and you stick out 
even further past the cylinders. You're you're you want your cylinder heads to be your limiting factor, not your panniers, right? So I think yeah. that's a great idea by having them thinner like that. Yeah. So we'll see where it goes. For us, it's 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 actually a bit of a uh, it's a nice it's a nice new product for us. Um, it's also a bit of a milestone because we are ten years old, and ten years ago when we rode across Asia, we had aluminum panniers. So oh, yeah. now, now we're going back to it. It's, it's pretty nice. It's a nice feeling. Yeah. But well, it's congratulations. not. Congratulations. That's, that's not, amazing. It's not good. Yeah. It's not going to be our primary product. Yeah. It's still going to be, you know, protection, crash bars and bash plates and, and racks. And so, but I think, I think it will be a nice addition to our product line. Yeah. And then just aesthetically too, I like what you've done with them because, uh, you know, they have the, the modular system to where you can put the Molly stuff on there just from what I've seen at least. And then yes. did you guys decide to do the, almost like the bed liner tough coat bottom on those, or did you go away from that? I think you had, had there was a we, prototype of that event at one point. Yeah, we tested it. Um, the, the, there are two issues is the, the thickness is not always consistent. So if, if, if the, if the person who applies the coating, if it's too thick, and when they remove this uh, masking tape, then the edge can be sharp. If it's yeah. if it's just a little bit too thick, also it's very heavy. It adds a lot of weight. Oh, the the idea was very good because it's a tough coating. It's very tough, but it's got probably more downsides when it comes to at least aluminum panniers. They're fantastic, you know, on trucks and, and other vehicles, but not aluminum panniers. Yeah, so that makes sense. Well, um, do you have anything else you want to add as far as what, what the business or what the company's got coming down the pike or anything else you'd like to add here? I can talk about it for hours, <laughs> <laughs> but we don't, we don't have hours to, yeah to kill here sorry I gotta, I gotta keep on adjusting this thing because when i speak it actually starts slipping out yeah very very no, annoying i went to these like over the ear ones because i have yeah. some i have some ones that go in my ear and then yeah. constantly i'm doing i'm doing yeah. this so yeah no, I, um, I would say that the another thing that we're very excited about is is having this uh, printer we're adding another printer to it a different type for different materials uh, and that's really enabled us to come out with some really unique products that could cost a fortune to to CNC machine, or it's not worth getting into the injection molding part of it uh, because we probably can't sell tens of thousands of them. You know, so having this cost, ha yeah. having this printer. We'll be able to, and this is this is based in in British Columbia. We'll be able to produce parts almost on demand, or have, or just produce small volume, because it can do it, and and it's still uh, it's still we can still justify the cost, and it's worth the investment, and and having very light parts in certain situations is is a very good option. It's a good alternative to metal. Yeah. Now, now with the printer, uh, what we can also do is produce very, very complex shapes, abstract shapes that would be very hard to to produce uh, out of metal. Even if it's CNC machine, you know, you need like multiple axes, CNC machine, all that right. jazz. It, and again, you have to remove so much material. And with printing, we add material, which is 
it's for us it's a game changer and so that kind of goes back to what i mentioned before about the the balance between aesthetic and look and then with this mm-hmm. with this way you get to have the look and also still have some rigidity or strength to, to yeah. the product and it's it's again man it's just like the innovation and thinking outside the box it's not just welded metal it's you know thinking yeah. outside the box and coming up with these ideas i think is one of these things that sets you guys apart um and you can put your logo like your name in there which is just <laughs> i think that's awesome yeah. too <laughs> the one good example is the the new ktm 890 it has more fairings than ever before and mm. so we were struggling with the idea of how to like how will people be able to mount auxiliary lights on this bike because there's nothing That's we right, can't yeah. and this is a bike we don't make crash bars for because everything is covered up right it's so much plastic just crazy amount of plastic the bike looks better though if you know if if you don't mind me you know voicing my opinion it looks better <laughs> than before due to yeah. the you know the additional plastic it's it's a nicer design but so we found some mounting points but the shape is so complex because you have to wrap around from starting from underneath the headlight wrapping around the front end and along the side yeah so we we found an area that utilizes three mounting points and so, but the shape is so complex. Not only it wraps, not only does it wrap around the plastic, it also, it, it twists. Mm. And yeah. to make that out of a flat bar, it would be doable, but you may not get it with the same consistency. Mm-hmm. CNC machining would cost a fortune. With the help of the 3D scanner and a 3D printer, we could pick up the shape so precisely and so perfectly and now we have these beautiful and strong auxiliary light brackets we haven't started selling them we just finished testing but they hold up very well so we're gonna put them into production and again this is thanks to the the 3d printer we have yeah i remember when we uh rode last over this past summer you had those on your 890 and they're they looked i mean they look like they were from the factory they looked so mm-hmm. like they were part of the bike yeah. so we'll yeah. we'll throw up a picture um if we haven't already well I'll, we'll throw it up as we talk about that but man it's it's exciting to see everything that's coming down the pike for you guys and where from where you've come from to where you are now and and where you're going and dude i just i appreciate you taking the time mm-hmm. and and spending time kind of having your, you know, while you're on your vacation with your family to, to take the time out for me and, and, and the, the viewers here and just to kind of tell your story and give kind of a, a reader's digest version of, of how the company mm-hmm. started. Super, super interesting. And um, guys, if you haven't yet, definitely head over and follow both Outback Motor Tech's uh, Instagram, YouTube, or where, where can they find you? Where, what all uh, social media platforms are you on? Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, X, that's the the four platforms. Um, Instagram and Facebook, we post the same content. Okay. So that's that's not nothing different. YouTube is is, is different again. It, we post yeah. different content because it's primarily no, it's only videos, right? Yeah. As opposed to Instagram, Facebook, we mix it up. But yeah, we are very active uh, on those platforms and. And again, I, I also would like to thank you for for having me on this uh, awesome Absolutely. little podcast uh, show. And I'm not on vacation. <laughs> well, I know. I just 
you're 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 enjoying uh, you're enjoying being away from from up north though so yeah and maybe it's, yeah it's, that's it's a, right it's yeah. a work work workcation maybe yeah so. <laughs> exactly I, I i don't call it vacation vacation would be if i turned off my phone for like 10 days but i i don't traveling you know with the starlink you know <laughs> traveling with a starlink and and you know big solar panels and whatnot so yeah. we can always be connected and still having meetings still talking with dealers and, and customers and making new content uh just we just don't stop yeah just well i don't think you i don't think you can like like you said it's you're constantly going I, I don't ever i don't see you slowing down anytime soon so man just keep doing what you're All doing right. have a have an awesome time down in baja and uh man thanks so much for again for coming on here and we'll I chat soon it. hopefully yeah. we can, hopefully hey. we can get a ride in here before before too long but um, all right, guys, if you uh, aren't following Outback Motor Tech, definitely uh, I'll leave the links down below for both the website and all of the social media platforms. But if you have any questions for myself or Lori, hit us in the comments down below. Um, if, I, if he can't answer them, I will. And also go over to his Instagram page. And he's the one who runs that one as well. So don't go over there and blow him up. But because uh, he is a busy he is a busy guy. But definitely, if you have any questions about uh, Outback Motor Tech or anything that they offer, definitely hit him up over on instagram but guys once again thanks for watching this video hit a subscribe button that way you know when more videos like this release and we'll see you in the next one